outstanding ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go Beyond the Bell. Tonight, a very special evening. It's all about total non-stop action. What started a decade ago has now become a global phenomenon. For the very first time, Impact Wrestling emanates from the United Kingdom. Ten years ago, there were doubts. You got Ten years ago, there were challenges. Today, TNA Impact Wrestling is the talk of the world. Ten years of celebration. Years of tradition. Woo! The Nature Boy Rick Flair is in TNA. Ten years of heroes. It's real. It's damn real. Ten years of heartache. That was one of the most violent physical matchups I've ever witnessed. And ten years of total non-stop action. Today, TNA Impact Wrestling continues to redefine history. The one, the only, Hulk Hogan! TNA Impact Wrestling, an arena where careers are born. I am the it factor of professional wrestling. And a proving ground where champions reign. It's a passion. The Impact emotion. Look at this! Look at this! Oh, oh my, my God. God! It's the fire that will never burn out or fade away. No. Oh my God! That was unbelievable! TNA Impact Wrestling. Unforgettable moments. Can you believe it? Turn angles in the Impact Zone! That will never be forgotten. Oh my God! Abyss, look at this! These are the moments. I'm the singer, and I'm not done yet! These are the memories. I think everybody is shocked at what just happened here. This is TNA Impact Wrestling, and we are just getting started. Wrestling fans, welcome back to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Podcast, known to all mankind as Beyond the Bell, via the SNS Radio Network. I'm your host, ring announcer, Sean Becker, and back with you as we rewind, relive all things retro in wrestling. This is Beyond the Bell. Welcome back, fans, as we turn back the clock 
to relive the greatest moments in sports entertainment. And this week's edition is a very special one, as this past week marked the 10-year anniversary of Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. Now, I know here at Beyond the Bell, we don't speak much of TNA or Impact Wrestling, mainly because they're a fairly new company in professional wrestling. So, we have a tendency to look back at more so of the World Wrestling Federation, WWE, WCW, the NWA, and WCCW, the AWA, and so forth. So, we haven't really looked back on much of TNA over the past 50-plus episodes of Beyond the Bell, which I'm so proud of. Thank you, fans, once again. Cheap plug, cheap plug, Mick Foley style. Well, speaking of Mick Foley, he was one of the stars that was involved with Total Nonstop Action for a period of time. So, hence their Slammiversary pay-per-view, looking back at their 10 years of business in professional wrestling, their 10 years of active competition against the WWE. I want to look back and remember... Three components of TNA and why it made it past the 10-year mark as we celebrate their anniversary. So therefore, tonight's edition, we'll look back and remember the great moments, the greatest matches, the greatest feuds in TNA history. We'll look back at some of the greatest feuds that made TNA so popular with cult fans and some, you could say casual fans that stepped back into the wrestling environment by watching another company besides WWE on television. We'll also look back at some of the greatest matches as TNA for a long period of time was known for their solid in-ring work and where it was the place you can go to watch quote-unquote real professional wrestling. And we'll look back at the greatest moments in TNA whether it was a, a specific match that was built up by a rivalry or a debut, the moments that made TNA so popular and what made it survive these years. Granted, would you consider TNA a success as, for the most part of their tenure in professional wrestling, they have been in the red? They haven't seen much of a profit. They have a big billion-dollar company own them and basically feed this company through their struggle in being the number two promotion in North America or the entire world as they've expanded globally, especially the past few years. Would you consider them still a success even though they haven't turned a profit or much of a profit or they're diminishing pay-per-view buy rates? Or would you consider them a success because they made it 10 years? They've lasted more so than any other mainstream promotion has over the past decade. You had World Wrestling All-Stars, you had the XPW, you had other NWA promotions trying to attach the the legacy of the NWA name to their promotion, as did TNA when it first started out in in its infancy, but none have lasted as long as TNA. Could it be Dixie Carter and the Carter family funding the company as the sole reason why it survived this long, or possibly the deal with Spike TV to gain that name brand recognition to get that primetime television spot on a continual basis. Many factors could be in place, but if you're a wrestling fan, you have to consider TNA a success because they've been here for 10 years. So let's start things off with the greatest moments in TNA history. Stay with us here, fans, as we'll bounce back and forth throughout the decade of TNA history as we'll jump from maybe its early stages on 
to the current day TNA product, which is, I'll admit, getting pretty good fans. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Not exactly where I want a product to be at this point, but it's getting better. And that's what I like to see. TNA started out, as most of you, I would hope, would know. The internet wrestling community is very familiar with TNA because they love, they have such a passion for professional wrestling, so they want more of it, of course, and an alternative to WWE. And that's what Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett, the Jarrett family wanted. Once WCW folded and the World Wrestling Federation purchased the archives, the video library, and a bulk load of the talent from World Championship Wrestling, it left those that were not looking towards the WWF slash WWE stable as their new home. They were without a home. So Jeff Jarrett, with in a huge risk, decided to start his own promotion. If I'm not going to go back to Vince, Vince certainly doesn't want me, I'll start my own promotion. We'll get back to where WCW was. Then there was the creation of Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. They aligned with the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. If you're following the WCW 101 series, you know how much of a history, a legacy that NWA has throughout the tenure of professional wrestling throughout the entire world. The NWA has the name value. TNA needed to attach themselves to a name brand promotion, for lack of a better term, a name brand entity, and the NWA was just that. It may not have had the prestige as it did back when Ted Turner purchased the product, Georgia Championship Wrestling and so forth, because technically the NWA disbanded from World Championship Wrestling in the 90s when we saw the highest point for WCW take place during the Monday Night War era and the Attitude Era. So the NWA doesn't have the value as it once did or once had back in the 80s, but still, it showed that TNA was not just another local independent promotion. They were meant to be competition. Part of me wishes that they kept the NWA name instead of the TNA name and worked out some deal, as I think that holds more prestige, but we'll get into that later on. But TNA started out as a weekly pay-per-view series. A week- weekly pay-per-view company, television show, as you could purchase for nine ninety-five. Every week, every Wednesday, total non-stop action wrestling from the Asylum Arena. Who always has an opinion 
evening. It's an evening that revolves around history and history on so many fronts. Number one, we are going to be respecting history. The legends of the NWA are in attendance. People like Harley Race, Dory Funk Jr., and Ricky Steamboat. And gentlemen, we are also going to be making history this evening. Not only the first ever event, but we are also going to be crowning an NWA World's Heavyweight Champion with the gauntlet for the gold. If you'll give me just a second, I'll run down the rules for the gauntlet for the goal. Please do. We will start off with two competitors in the ring. Every 90 seconds, another wrestler will come from the back. The only way that you can be eliminated is by being thrown over the top rope and down to the arena floor. Once we reach the final two competitors, NWA World Heavyweight Championship rules will apply. It will be one fall to a finish with the winner by either pinfall or submission. And yes, Ed Ferrara, tonight we will make history by crowning a new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. And don't forget, Mike Tanay, this is my kind of match because it's just like it is in real life. No friends, no allies, every man for himself, only the strong survive. It's Darwinism in action. Don West, it's great to be a part of history. It's great to have you and Ed here out at the table. Tonight, the new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion crowned with the winner of the gauntlet for the gold. I tell you what, though, guys, we got more history. We've got the legends from the NWA. So let's send it out there to Jeremy. And Jeremy, who do we got? Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, as part of tonight's premier broadcast of NWA Total Nonstop Action, it is my pleasure to introduce to you some of the legends of the National Wrestling Alliance. At this time, Please allow me to introduce to you the former eight-time NWA Heavyweight Champion of the World, Handsome Harley Race. The man who defeated Dory Funk Jr. in 1973 to win his first world's title also defeated Terry Funk, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, and the Giant Baba among his eight reigns as the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Is he wrestling tonight? Harley Race. No, he's not wrestling. He's here because he's a legend in this sport, and he's here because we respect the legends of the NWA and professional wrestling. What do you mean we, Kimisabi? NWA tag and world champion, please welcome Dory Funk Jr. From the famous Funk wrestling family, his father Dory Sr., his brother Terry Funk. Dory Funk Jr. won the NWA title in 1969 when he defeated Big Thunder, Gene Kaniski. It was an incredible four-year, three-month run for Dory as champion. The second longest run of any champion next to Luthes. He is the original Fabulous One. Please welcome Jack 
Jackie Fargo. What can you say about Jackie Fargo, the biggest star of Southern wrestling? How about this? He was a first ballot Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer, Ed Ferrara. Wrestling Observer? What's that? Wrestling Observer. It's a fa very famous newsletter in this business. Uh, I'm hearing it, but it's all pops and buzzes. I yeah, have no right, idea what you're right. talking about. The man that invented the Fargo strut. Jackie Fargo was strutting before Ric Flair and Jeff Jarrett ever stepped into a ring. He is the father of one of the greatest wrestling families of all time, the Fighting Fireman from Marietta, Bullet Bob Armstrong. How about it for the patriarch of the Armstrong Joe, part of that famous tag team with Corsica Jean. He is the senior vice president of the National Wrestling Alliance. Please welcome Mr. Bill Behrens. Bill Behrens, one of the executives with the National Wrestling Alliance in attendance tonight. He is a former NWA world champion. He is a former six-time NWA world tag team champion with over 6,000 matches spanning a spectacular 20-year career. Please welcome Ricky Steamboat. Listen to the reaction for the Dragon, and he has in his hand the NWA World Heavyweight Championship belt. That's a title that Steamboat won in 1989 when he defeated Ric Flair. But he's not going to leave with it. It must be like old times for Ricky Steamboat to have that belt in his hand again. And isn't it great to see the Dragon bringing the gold to the ring here in the NWA TNA? The fans all around ringside on their feet, bowing and saluting the stars of the past, the legends of the National Wrestling Alliance in the ring. Listen to this crowd! We saw so many moments take place at the Asylum Arena, but we're going to jump ahead to 2008 for our first great moment in TNA history, and that was at TNA Bound for Glory 2008, the birth of the Main Event Mafia. In the fall of 08, Samoa Joe was riding high. And so was TNA. Coming off their most successful pay-per-view of all time in April, the company had ridden through most of the year with the organization firmly perched on the back of Samoa Joe. With his mentor Kevin Nash guiding his steps, he had mowed through all opposition on his way to Bound for Glory, as it seemed he was destined for meeting with Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. It would have been a match for the ages. First, though, he had to get past Sting, who was on a winning streak of epic proportions when it came to winning the title at Bound for Glory. Joe, though, wasn't afraid one bit and pretty much obliterated Sting from bell to bell. Right up until Big Sexy Kevin Nash turned on Joe, causing Sting to beat him and win the title. The next impact... Nash, Sting, Scott Steiner, Booker T, and Kurt Angle stood together in the ring and announced that a new stable had formed to keep the legends on top, and it would be called the Main Event Mafia. TNA would never be the same. Their version of the New World Order had arrived. 
Now, it would be easy to criticize the angle for what followed after with the whole original-slash-frontline storyline becoming incredibly watered-down and confusing, and leaving the Mafia with no one to face and no real satisfying conclusion, no competition. But with the shock of Joe losing the title, coupled with the stable of absolute Hall of Fame legends, who are all former world champions, this organization was a group of unprecedented champions quite possibly the first in the modern-day era of wrestling to see all world champions combined together for one stable. The Mafia had come to TNA, and every single thing that has happened since can be tracked back to this very moment. The Mafia were born. Jeff Jarrett brawls with the Tennessee Titans. On July 22, 2002, members of the NFL's Tennessee Titans were in attendance on TNA's pay-per-view when the king of the mountain, Jeff Jarrett, decided to pick a fight. The third one, screw the Titans, I'm a winner! I'm a damn winner, Rochek! It's the Tennessee Titans right there. They had their shot at the Super Bowl, and they blew it when I get my shot. It was an all-out brawl as the Titans jumped the guardrail and went after Jarrett. To his credit, Jarrett held his own against the NFL's elite. Jared fighting him up. He's calling for his teammates. Look at this. Jared has got to be out of out of his mind going after these guys. Wow, what a night that was. Uh, I think they took to heart what I said uh, a little bit too seriously. And and you know Frank Wachek is a personal friend of mine, but uh, Zach Piller and Fred Miller and a couple other guys took offense to me telling them that they were a bunch of losers, which the King of the Mountain is not. But. Uh, they bailed, and then the entire dressing room uh, came out in an impromptu brawl. This it is pound in the butt, oh, my God! Oh, the chairman is out of time. I can just remember Jerry, Jerry Toot, uh, known as Malice. He hit Fred Miller in the back of the head, and Fred Miller said he's never been hit like that. Let's skip ahead to 2010, TNA Lockdown, Kurt Angle versus Ken Anderson. The month before Kurt Angle and Ken Anderson feud happened, people said about Ken Anderson that he never got a fair shake in the WWE, and that he had the potential to be a top star. I was one of them. I felt that. These people apparently that felt the same way as I did weren't watching him from week to week as the man simply was not as entertaining in the long term. His character did not develop as you would like it, as you liked a character to see. But nevertheless, TNA got on board with Ken Anderson. But for those of you that doubted Ken Anderson, Kurt Angle brought something out of him that people literally, literally had never seen before. You saw potentially something happening with the Undertaker feud in the WWE, but never really at that point. Their feud was so hot, so incredible and it was ready to burst. Lockdown was the only place to settle it. And they sure did. For 25 minutes, these two men put on one of the greatest matches in TNA history in a bloody barbaric brawl that made Kurt Angle look like the greatest in the world and made Ken Anderson the greatest heel in wrestling in just one night. This may well have been the culminating moment in both men's careers. I'd say TNA careers. Kurt Angle, a legend, Hall of Famer. 
He's done so many tremendous things in the WWF, a uh, future Hall of Famer, I should say, and TNA. He had such a great feud with Samoa Joe, which we'll get into, but this was a defining moment for Kurt Angle and TNA as he made a potential star even better. This quite, I think, quite frankly, was the best moment in Ken Anderson's career as he put on a great match. We, we didn't see many great matches from Mr. Kennedy in the WWE, but we saw some moments of charisma and superstardom from him, but not the the technical wrestling skill or match capability as we did with him against Kurt Angle. It set Anderson off on a rocket that flew him to becoming the current TNA World Heavyweight Champion just a few months later. And which turned out to be TNA's biggest babyface at the time. Which was sure odd because you look at him back then at lockdown when he was a heel. So this match boosted Ken Anderson as a main event player. And I think now we're starting to see that cycle again turn about where we're looking for the other other aspect, the other metamorphosis of his character. A metamorphosis needed for Ken Anderson to find his true character, as you can say, shtick is getting stale at a time. But for this one moment at TNA Lockdown, we saw Ken Anderson become made by Kurt Angle. And you could feel that in one night, TNA crafted the star that would carry them into the next decade, or they would have hoped, and cemented the legacy of arguably the greatest wrestler who had ever lived in Kurt Angle. So in one night, you saw... TNA trying to make a WWF star into their own TNA superstar with the help of a wrestling legend. In 2009, at TNA No Surrender, AJ Styles wins the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. It's hard to make people really care about wrestlers anymore. In this day and age of pro wrestling, it's harder than ever for anybody to get over as a good guy. Fans have seen everything least smart fans, you could say. The clean-cut heroes of yesterday come off as cheesy and lame, and the anti-heroes of today are cool, but they don't inspire love from the fans. They've seen it. They've seen the Kevin Nashes, the NWO. They've seen the cool heel. As a result, WWE and TNA struggle to push any baby fiz- any baby faces that would you want any any potential buyer, fan, to want to see and to actually pay money to watch wrestle. But TNA had won for all the years of its existence that the fans never wavered in their support for. The one true TNA star that was built by the promotion, not by anybody else. He is the face of TNA. It's heart and soul, and is a true-born fan of wrestling and loyal to his company as any wrestler that we have ever seen in the modern-day era of professional wrestling. He has been rewarded for this with many titles in TNA, but his world championship wins had come before TNA had a real main event, and he had never made it to the peaks of the company many feel was built on his back since it had hit it big with Spike TV. But in 2009, he started a run to the main event that gave him a chance to get on top of a, su- a, a much bigger mountain than he ever had before. Such a great advance in his career. In a failed four-way match with Matt Morgan, Kurt Angle, and his mentor Sting, Sting 
climactically helped AJ win the title, ushering in a new age for TNA, the age of AJ Styles, the phenomenal age. One of the greatest moments in TNA history as it was a culmination of not just of AJ Styles' career, but the growth of TNA wrestling. Their true star had made it. The resulting celebration between AJ, Christopher Daniels, and the fans that flooded the ring is one of the greatest feel-good moments in TNA history, and possibly of the past decade. Rowdy Roddy Piper humiliates Chris Rose. On November 11, 2004, the crew of Best Damn Sports Show teamed with TNA Wrestling for a primetime special. But things didn't go so well for host Chris Rose when the rowdy Scotsman hit the ring. Wrestling is fake! Apparently, Piper took exception to Rose's choice of apparel that night. I think Chris Rose could have done that with anybody else in the TNA roster and would have gotten the exact same response. Come to our house, try to embarrass us, we'll send you off with a little embarrassment of your own. Let's go up ahead now a year. 2010, once again, TNA bound for glory. The unveiling of a mortal. You know, it's funny to think about things in retrospect. When you're in, position, in possession of all the facts and the position to look back at what transpired. Going into Bound for Glory, the whole they storyline of Abyss yelling about they and Sting, Nash, and De Niro proclaiming some vague conspiracy. It seemed like a failed build-up. It had to be. Sting, Nash, and De Niro came off as crazy, paranoid heels going insane for no reason while the business, as usual, progressed, and Abyss was, well, you know, Abyss. But on the night of Bound for Glory, something happened. Some say it was brilliance. It was a defining moment in TNA history as it was a unique storyline that came together. First, Jeff Jarrett turned on Samoa Joe, proving Sting, Nash, and De Niro right all along and totally throwing people for a loop. The Vince Russo favorite type of swerve. The infamous swerve by Russo. If Sting was right about the conspiracy, how far did it go? It didn't take long to find out, though, as in the triple threat main event between Ken Anderson, Kurt Angle, and Jeff Hardy, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair interfered to help Jeff Hardy. Yes, that's right, Jeff Hardy. Jeff proceeded to annihilate the other two, win the title, and turn heel for the first time in his career. And the group we now know as Immortal flooded the ring to congratulate him. It was shocking. It was unexpected. It was incredible for TNA. Surprising. Maybe not have been the best move in hindsight looking back with the issues that Hardy had, but it was surprising and a monumental moment for TNA history. Now... You could say Jeff Hardy had a little heel stint when they formed the New Brood for a very brief time with Gangrel, early stages of Hardy's career, if you look back. I suggest looking, typing into YouTube, New Brood, and you'd see what I'm talking about with Matt and Jeff. But the first main event type of heel turn for Jeff Hardy. In the following weeks, Hardy would prove himself to be an uncommonly good heel. TNA's direction and focus would shift utterly to Immortal. The group Immortal was born and the entire main event scene of TNA shifted completely. Which is not bad for a company that has 
only been in business for less than a decade at the time. What a momentous occasion here at Slammiversary! It's real. It's damn. That was unbelievable! I think everybody is shocked at what just happened here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new era in TNA. Jeff Jarrett and Raven for the NWA World's Heavyweight title. I don't think it's a stretch to say that at this point in time, Jeff Jarrett looks across the ring at his toughest challenger to date as NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Raven. Like I mentioned earlier, TNA has made so many drastic changes, drastic moves. The changing from a six, from a four-sided squared circle to a six-sided ring that made TNA so different and unique compared to the WWE. But one of the biggest moments for TNA history took place in 2005 when TNA debuted on Spike TV. You never get a second chance to make a good first impression. That's what people say, right? By 2005, TNA had been around for a solid three years. First, they tried a weekly pay-per-view format, which I spoke about earlier, and while allowing them the freedom to air whatever they felt like, just wasn't practical for getting large numbers of viewers or for giving them the opportunity to really promote their product. And it was shaky at times, midgets wrestling, you know, strippers dancing in cages. But then they got to deal with Fox Sportsnet, which was a step in the right direction, but the vast majority of the country didn't even get the channel. I know I didn't. Then they got a monthly pay-per-view deal instead with all of the big pay-per-view outlets, but had no way to sell the pay-per-views without a national television show. Then finally, after signing recognizable talent and moving into the comfy confines of the Impact Zone and out of the Asylum Arena, Spike TV finally made TNA's dreams come true. On October 1st, 2005, they hit the ground running with a match midway in progress between Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels. And the rest, as they say, is history. Over the years, the bond between Spike and TNA has grown very strong, with Spike supporting them in every endeavor and allowing them to expand to two hours, then to move them to prime time, they move them to Monday night prime time, and then back again, and it is entirely thanks to Spike that TNA has been able to achieve the nationwide branding and awareness it possesses. If not for Spike accepting this deal, there may not be a TNA anymore. And if there was no TNA, well, I don't think we'll be talking today, will we? Spike was growing, it had the WWE on their network, but once WWE went back to the more popular much bigger USA Network, TNA wanted to grow, and they found a company in a similar situation in their genre, in TNA, and together the two are growing. And you have to admit, the UFC benefited as well from TNA wrestling. What a momentous occasion here at Slammiversary! It's real. It's damn. That was unbelievable! I think everybody is shocked at what just happened here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new 
He is the former world heavyweight champion, an Olympic gold medalist, and arguably the greatest wrestler in the industry today. It's real. It's damn real. <laughs> yeah! Kurt Angle! It's DNA and his debut arrives! The crowd going crazy! The nose to nose! My God, it's Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle! Listen to this crowd! Oh my God, Kurt Angle just headbutted Samoa Joe! Let's jump five years once again to the debut of Hulk Hogan in 2010. TNA Impact. Despite the old saying about the industry is, anything can happen in professional wrestling, or the WWE used to say, anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. There's some things that the majority of us reasonably expect to not happen. Funaki will not make a surprise return to WWE to break the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. We know that, right? I don't think you'll see Barry Horowitz make it into the WWE Hall of Fame. Maybe, but I don't think so. Ring of Honor will not employ the Ultimate Warrior. And some independent promotions will never gain more than 40 people at a show. But one of these certainties was turned on its head in 2010 as Hulk Hogan and Dixie Carter reach an agreement to bring him into total non-stop action and to essentially hand him the company on a silver platter in a whirlwind month which resulted in none other than Hulk Hogan himself walking to the ring on the very first Monday Night Impact to resounding cheers and widespread interest. Maybe more so than any other moment in TNA history, this moment caused people who had no interest in the company or people who had tuned in or out, turned back in to see Hulk Hogan arrive in TNA. And for once, people were buzzing about the company and what they might be able to do or what their plans might be. It was a hotly hyped moment, and it went astray later on. But for the moment, that one moment, as Hulk Hogan walked down the ramp to the ring in the impact zone, everything was right in the world. I felt goosebumps once again like I did during the Monday Night War era. What a momentous occasion here at Slammiversary! It's real. It's damn real. That was unbelievable! I think everybody is shocked at what just happened here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new era in TNA. Ladies and gentlemen, making his TNA Impact debut, please welcome the one, the heard that Hulk Hogan was going to be here and Big Kevin Nash has been here. That means one thing to us. Big paychecks, big sold-out arenas, and big parties. This is a different time and this is a different place. It doesn't work that way anymore, brother. The game changes now. Everybody 
has to earn their spot in this company. Let's look at TNA, the monthly pay-per-view, episode number one, The Beginning. Everything has to start somewhere, right? For TNA, everything started on June 19th, 2002, one day after my birthday. If you think back, the climate for wrestling was a strange one back in 02. Vince McMahon had vanquished any and all pretenders to his throne by the, by that point. And really, the only American company with an inkling of national attention was the short-lived Major League Wrestling in Florida. So on a fishing trip, Jeff Jarrett, his father Jerry, and Bob Ryder discussed an idea for a wrestling company to skip television and go straight to weekly pay-per-views. Jeff took this idea and ran with it. And before long, NWA TNA was born. The show was a mixed bag, with many kinks still being worked out and a ring that was being rebuilt on the air while the announcers were introducing the show. But in the end, as Ken Shamrock won the inaugural Battle Royal for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and Confetti fell, it was thought to have been a success. Nobody knew how long they would be able to survive or if they would ever be able to compete with WWE. But a new thing was born that day. A new entity. And here we are, a decade later, celebrating total non-stop action in professional wrestling. Wait a minute, wait, weren't you the one that said, if Russo's coming back, you quit NWA? There's the door, pal, don't let it hit you in the ass on the way out. I will get a chimpanzee in here next week with more personality than you. And you know what? Go home, pout with Sean Waltman. Goodbye. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Vince Russo, and I am the Antichrist of professional wrestling. I kept a low profile for two years, but I figured before this business gets deeper in the shitter, Vince Russo better come back. I'll tell you what, I'm here to talk about Jeff Jarrett. I've got a lot of things I want to say, and to the old man who's sitting in the back with those headphones on his head, if you kill my mic, I'll come back there and I'll smack the shit out of you. Let me tell you about Jeff Jarrett. Let me tell you about friendship. I met Jeff Jarrett when he was doing a ridiculous gimmick, spelling his name, his teeth sparkling. Do you people remember that bullshit? Well, you know what? Despite the horrible gimmick from the brain surgeons at the WWF, I befriended Jeff Jarrett. 
let me tell you why. Because out of all the politicians and children and egomaniacs in that locker room, Jeff Jarrett was genuine. But wait a minute, one night Jeff Jarrett decides he's going to leave in the middle of the night. I think it was right here in Nashville. And you know what? That piece of shit didn't even tell me about that. So Jeff Jarrett leaves and Vince Russo gets all his heat. And Jeff Jarrett goes to jump on the NWO bandwagon. You know what? Once Vince Russo started getting more and more involved, all of a sudden the WCW was down, looking up at the WWF, and Jeff Jarrett calls me on the phone and begs me to get his ass back in the WWF. I get him back in. I go to McMahon, I beg Vince, bring Jeff in. They brought Jeff in and they tried to bury Jeff but there was his old buddy, Vince Russo, making sure that they, they didn't succeed as various. I put a guitar in his hand, we went around smacking 75-year-old women, and Jeff Jarrett was on top of the world once again. And then, Russo goes to WCW. And then the week Russo goes to WW, they have a girl beat Jeff Jarrett by the name of China. So what does he do? He calls me and says, Vince, Vince, you gotta get me in WCW. And well, I got him in WCW, and I made, I made Jeff Jarrett the WCW champion. the story gets better. Thank God, thank the gods above, WCW got sold and I was out of that hellhole. I was done with professional wrestling. But I get a call from my old buddy Jeff Jarrett. Jeff tells me, I'm starting this NWA thing, Vince, and I want to make it cutting edge, and I need you. As a matter of fact, I gave that moron the name TNA, but TNA didn't mean total non-stop action, you Hendersonville hillbilly. TNA meant pitch an ass, don't... Let me tell you what happened. Jeff Jarrett was lit by the nose by a living conniving, diabolical, senile old man piece of shit back there whose name I won't mention because if I do I'll vomit right on this very mess. But I'll tell you what, Jeff tells me, sit home Vince, I'll call you when I need you. I'll call you when I need you. You know what? I'm sick of waiting for you to call me, so I took it upon myself to show up here tonight. And this is the way, 
and Vince Russo is here to save the day once again. But I'll tell you what, Jack, I still have a soft spot in my heart for you. So I am giving you one and only one opportunity to join me because I'm telling you, starting next week, there will be a drastic change here and I'm begging somebody to try to stop me. So here it is. Jeff, I will be here at the end of the night for your match to help you win again just like I put that damn title around your waist last week. And after I help you win, I want my answer tonight. Because you're either with me, pal, or you are against me. Steal a vibe from the boss, Jeff. We can do this the easy way or the hard way, and I'm giving you one opportunity to make that choice. We mentioned Bound for Glory before, but this was one of the greatest moments in the history of Bound for Glory, but in the history of the promotion as well. You cannot deny. And this moment also had me for one of the very few times in my life. Well, it found me with my jaw dropped. It had a jaw-dropping moment, if I could say that out. It got me to... One, have goosebumps. It got me to love wrestling at an even bigger level. It got me to be excited, upset, mad, frustrated, interested, all at the same time of the potential of this new signing. But this draw, this jaw-dropping moment for myself, Sean Beckerman, took place at Bount for Glory 2006, the debut of the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. The scope of Kurt Angle coming to TNA is almost impossible to imagine at this point, now that you know so many great big names have come through their doors. But prior to Kurt Angle's entry into the company, let's make this known, prior to it, this was a company whose biggest mainstream star was Christian, a guy who had never made it to main event level at the time in WWE. I like him, great star, don't get me wrong, great tag team competitor. You, know, um, you could say possibly potential Hall of Famer, arguably, but not the level of a Hulk Hogan or you know level of a Randy Orton or Batista popularity wise at the time. But now TNA had not only gotten a former multi-time world champion and a man who has made event of WrestleMania, but they got a man universally respected and adored by their fan base. The reaction was immediate and deafening. And when he went nose-to-nose with Samoa Joe, the future of TNA clicked into place. You still have to get goosebumps just thinking about it. Kurt Angle was the last piece to the puzzle. TNA had arrived. It was the headbutt heard around the world. Kurt Angle was a part of total nonstop action. No one knew this was happening. They had it hidden. Kurt Angle, they filmed the vignette of him debuting, saying, It's real. It's damn real. At a warehouse, hidden, his head covered with, with uh, people say, with uh, a towel over his head. No one knew Kurt Angle was coming. We knew he was released by the WWE, but we weren't sure. We thought maybe he would take a few months off, then come back to WWE, as we saw. 
especially uh, with the deaths in professional wrestling at the time running rampant and wanted Kurt to be healthy. They were afraid it was going to be another statistic. So we thought Kurt would come back to the WWE after a few months of a layoff. But instead, he arrived in total nonstop action. What a momentous occasion here at Slammiversary! It's real. It's damn. That was unbelievable! I think everybody is shocked at what just happened here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new era in TNA. Well, Kurt Angle has a moonsault in his arsenal. Oh, no, Kurt. Also that year in 2006, at TNA Unbreakable, Samoa Joe took on AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels in a three-way, three-way match, which was one of the greatest matches in the company's history. So TNA had some stars, they had some attention, and they had the platform to show their product to the world. But what they truly needed more than anything else was something that money could not buy them. They needed credibility. At Unbreakable 06, Samoa Joe, Styles, and Daniels Gave it to them in spades, dazzling everyone watching with an unbelievable display of athleticism and skill that, that no less an authority than, you could say, Dave Meltzer, uh, Wade, uh, Wade Keller. They had to give it the honor of five stars, making it the only second American match to earn that distinction in the decade, in a decade to that point. Many people still look on, the, on at this moment as the greatest in TNA's history, and you can't blame them. The sheer excitement of a match like this was great. And the upward momentum that the performers involved was a rush of excitement. This match, I'd suggest look, looking back, search on YouTube, Unbreakable 2006. We'll talk about more matches in TNA history, but this moment cemented the athleticism you would see in total nonstop action. What a momentous occasion here at Slammiversary! It's real. It's damn. That was unbelievable. I think everybody is shocked at what just happened here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new era in TNA. It is time for the X Division Championship matchup, the three-way bout. Talk about matches, of course. You can't forget TNA Lockdown 2008, Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle. Ever since that match at Unbreakable, Samoa Joe had made the mistake or made an unstoppable run to the top of TNA when people mistakenly thought of him as possibly just another Samoan guy. No, Samoa Joe was the real thing. He bashed the brains out of anybody with, with any guts to stand in his way. Similarly, ever since Kurt Angle had entered TNA, he knocked out everything and anyone who stood in his way and established his dominance over the entire company. Except 
for Samoa Joe. But for both men, the only obstacle keeping them from completely ruling the entire promotion, of course, was each other. And they clashed numerous times in amazing matches and heated feuds showing themselves to be the hottest and most enduring feud in TNA's history. Finally, after a few years of neither man being superior, Samoa Joe stood ready to challenge Kurt Angle's to stood to challenge Kurt Angle's for Kurt Angle's World Championship. If I could get that out right, after knocking down every obstacle Angle could put in front of him, the world title was left, and Samoa Joe was waiting for him. A brash and cocky Angle prepared for their fight with MMA expert and Kurt Angle doppelganger. You could say Frank Trigg. I always say that they look identical. For a match billed as MMA meets wrestling, only one man will leave this match with the title and eternal bragging rights as the very best TNA had to offer. Around this time, we saw, of course, MMA start to gain popularity in the mainstream media, kind of like how wrestling did in the late 90s during the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars. So Kurt Angle, of course, started to get more into MMA, started to throw out the rumors that he was going to jump over to MMA, do wrestling and mixed martial arts in the UFC. So this was kind of a tie-in of mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. And after a lackluster card, these two got in the ring and made magic together, tearing the house down in the process. The entire ring was covered in steel. A steel cage surrounded the ring. The two men were going to go at it in a mixed martial arts style of match. Of course, them entering the ring without wrestling shoes. Kurt Angle wearing MMA attire. Samoa Joe at the time had an MMA type of look with his shorts he had. Uh, but the two tape fists, gloves, ready to do battle inside the steel cage. Finally, Samoa Joe hit Kurt Angle with the muscle buster, covering him to put all doubts to rest. He was the king of TNA. Kurt Angle put him over. This pay-per-view is still one of the most purchased shows in TNA's history. And it earned, basically, it earned that that status, or earned that spot on the strength of this incredible rivalry and the promise of seeing the next big thing, not Brock Lesnar, come to fruition. They got all they asked for, and more, you could say, arguably. And if you ask a TNA fan which TNA show he or she has bought, this will never fail to be among them. It was TNA's shiny moment. Whatever the fortunes for the company lay out, it will never tarnish. We talked about AJ Styles winning the World Championship in 2009. His championship win in 2005 was epic. After Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett, I should say, Double J, dominated the NWA World Heavyweight Championship for over 14 months. We compared him to a Triple H type of title reign. For AJ Styles to be the one to take the championship from him was a great moment. It was surprising as people really didn't think or anyone really didn't didn't expect Styles to be the one to take the belt from him. But a shiny moment for AJ as he gained the victory and defeated the seemingly unbeatable Jeff Jarrett. In 2006, we saw Sting's in-ring return to TNA Wrestling. The entire build-up to the Sting and Christian Cage versus Jeff Jarrett and Monty Brown match was amazing, you could say. Arguably. But the fact that after years of being out of the ring full-time, Sting was still on his game. The response of the Impact Zone with the You Still Got a Chance still ringing people's heads. 
such a great moment to see in TNA wrestling. This is a new millennium, and my name now is Rowdy Roddy Piper. Dot com. You know, I've been going all around America the last 30 days. I've asked the NWA, nobody knew I was coming. I asked them to kidding. come down. None of us knew. Let me speak for a second, because there's something going on, man. You got a guy named Vince Russo. I saw Vince Russo. I've been watching the pay-per-view because right here in the NWA is the last place that Russo has not killed. Let me give you a little idea of what kind of guy Russo was. When Russo came about, he was just a little kind of hump of thing. And as he grew up, he grew up into a 300-pound hump of thing. When he used to sit down on the toilet, his obliques would drag on the ground as he watched professional wrestling and dreamed to become a wrestler, but he couldn't. He failed. He tried. So he decided to make it sports entertainment. And you've got all the things, Rousseau, that you want except one. Talent. You have no talent. He came here. He was all in white. That's a that's called a wolf in sheep's clothing. There are men back there, young men that dare to dream, that have a future, and this guy will deliberately kill these boys' dreams. And I heard him say, "I beg someone to come and challenge me. Your dream has come true." Yeah, it might be a nightmare. All right. I want you to look at this. This is a picture of a young, scared boy. I wrote a book. The book was just about a kid that dared to dream. That's all it was about. A kid that because of professional wrestling, he fell into by accident, and it gave him his dream. His dream is very simple. I'm not here to, I'm not here to make a big uh, interview statement. I'm here to be real, and if you want to shoot, Russo, I'll shoot. Okay. That was my dream. My dream was to have a family. God gave me my dream. I am so proud of that. Vince Russo said he is the antichrist of professional wrestling. Russo, don't give yourself so much credit. You are simply the Ben Laden of professional wrestling. Whoa! You are a coward. You are a coward that comes and sneaks in by night. I've got a question for you fans. The ones at home, you here with children. For two years, Russo wrote all kinds of things for the WWF. I have this question. Hey, Russo, did you write in my cousin Owen's death? Do you write home? Did you ask about his family? He's dead. He was my cousin. He's dead. Why? Because someone like you, who knows nothing about the technicalities, put somebody 90 feet up.
Why? There's no consequences to pay for you. Well, you know what? Everybody pays the piper, man. You piece of garbage. You piece of garbage, Russo. I tell you what. I may be on a step every once in a while, but I ain't forgot how to dance. On the back of my shirt is 10 men that have died, given their hearts to a sport that gave my life. I wear this black band because if we do not stop Russo, he will kill professional wrestling for every one of you. Unless, unless your idea of a good time is having a 320 pound Samoan in the thong sitting on your face. Not for me! You don't have that kind of money! You little puke, you. Lots of time! Come on out! Come on out, Russo! I know how to beat Vince Russo. There is a new millennium of professional wrestler. One with pride, one that knows the entertainment value is in the ring wrestling so you and your kids can sit down and enjoy it. When Russo was in the WCW, here it is, face-to-face well, -face confrontation. You're not a pimple on my ass. Oh, man, this is priceless. I want to ask you some questions here, champ. Did you kill Owen Hart? I want to ask you some questions, champ. How do you take over the WCW $67 million to the good and get $80 million for the bad? How did you do that? That's genius. That's pure genius. Don't have an answer for that one? Yeah, I got an answer for that one. You're going to give me the microphone? No, no. Breathe in my face like a moron. No, 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 no. No, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'll hold it. And I'll try to be a gentleman. But you have to explain to me, what is it you are trying to accomplish? You let me hold that microphone and I'll talk, otherwise... Sure, absolutely I will. <laughs> How do you like being played with? Hang on, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know what, the thing is this, man. He says the act is over. He used to call me a dinosaur. Myself, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, you're not a pimple on Hogan's ass, man. Uh, a tape, didn't I, wise guy? I sent you a tape of how to turn the WCW around, but no, you have this great concept that we're not athletes, we're just entertainers, and you're going to make an entertainment show of it. Well, what you made is simply soft pornography. That's all you've done. What you're doing is you're killing my kids back there. Young men that are coming up, I agree with you on one thing. Yes, my time is over. But you know what? You're the dinosaur now, man. You're the one that needs to go bye-bye. So it's like this, buddy. Ron and Don Harris in the ring. Uh, fine. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, 
Absolutely. There you go. Well, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Oh, come on. There you go. Come on. Hey, come on and get it. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Come on and get it. Oh, ha, ha. How do you like being manipulated? How do you like playing with it, huh? Oh, you're not fast enough for me, baby. I'll tell you something. I'm going to be watching, and you're going to learn one thing. You don't throw rocks at a guy who's got a machine gun. This one. Oh, no, no. I will finish this. There's children here. Fight for view. Rowdy, Rowdy, Piper, the shoot in the view. It's coming to you. Watch it. Friday night will tell you exactly what I think of you. Wow. Do you believe it? Make some heads and tails out of that for me, will you? We mentioned the Hulkster before, but we had a glimpse of the Hulkster on a very short basis in TNA a few years prior, as Jeff Jarrett takes TNA to Hulk Hogan. Can you get a more classic TNA wrestling moment than this? It's a moment that has been in almost every anniversary highlight reel for the past few years for TNA. It was their shot to show Hogan on TNA TV. It was such a cool moment. You have Jeff Jarrett, one of TNA's best bad guys, flying to Japan to confront Hulk Hogan, one of wrestling's biggest good guys, and cracking a guitar over his head. Just a great moment. This is when there was talks of, originally, Hulk Hogan coming to TNA to feud with Jeff Jarrett. It really never amounted to anything shortly after, and he went back to the World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE. But for a moment, he thought Hogan was jumping ship to TNA at that time a few years ago. I mentioned it earlier, Christian Cage jumps to TNA. He was the first guy to actually jump from the WWE to TNA which is something that hadn't been done or seen in years since, like we said, the Monday Night War era. He was the first and really only person to leave WWE on his terms at that time. Maybe you could say, under the radar, he was a trendsetter. We see it more so now with Chris Jericho coming in and coming out, but at the time, Christian left on his own terms and made the move to TNA Wrestling. It was a pretty big moment for TNA's wrestling history, to be able to say a wrestler jumped from the big one to TNA. Let's not forget, in 2006, the Impact Zone trashes Jeff Jarrett. Many people don't like this moment, but some say it's one of their favorites. The entire Impact Zone threw water bottles and other trash at Jeff Jarrett after winning the NW World Heavyweight Championship at Slammiversary of 2006. Yeah, which created such an amazing thing to witness. It was unique, different at the time. You saw trash and such being thrown in WCW that era, but it wasn't seen in years, and to see the fans get so irate, it showed the hatred that the TNA wrestling fan base had for Jeff Jarrett. So those are just some of the moments. We threw in a couple matches, but we're surrounded by moments in TNA history that made us grow to love this promotion that started out with midgets, you know, um, strippers, and some sloppy wrestling, but it showed glimpses of hope, showed the opportunity for future stars to have another company to, pl- to, to hone their craft, to harness their abilities, another showcase for top talent. 
and quite frankly, another avenue f- to create jobs for wrestlers, another source of income instead of having a, a monopoly under one organization. But when we return, we'll look back at the greatest feuds in TNA history. The feuds that made us, quite frankly, want to watch TNA. The feuds that set TNA apart from WWE and other promotions. So when we return here at Beyond the Bell, we'll look back at the greatest feuds in total nonstop action history as we celebrate 10 years of Impact Wrestling. Hey, wrestling fans. Do you want to break from the day-to-day ins and outs of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W. And each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. You know, in the world of pro wrestling radio, there's always someone out there who will always try to get under your skin. I want to really drive Andy to the point where he wants to choke me out. Because I'm going to drive him right off the edge of the cliff. They'll always try, but in the end, it always comes down to the truth. That moment when uh, Silent Rage blows the gasket, this match is over. You know, I'm really just a nice guy at heart. But... Don't piss me off, okay? I mean, come on. The truth is going to hurt someone. Catch your weekly search for the truth right here on the Pro Wrestling Rewind every Wednesday night, 9 o'clock Eastern, exclusively on the SNS Radio Network. Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle, and you're listening on the SNS Radio Network. Welcome back, fans. 
Beyond the Bell continues here on the SNS Radio Network. Now it's time to look back at the greatest feuds in TNA history. Now, in all probability, at least one of the feuds that we'll discuss tonight is the reason why you have stuck with TNA through thick and thin. One of the more focused feuds that TNA has had over the many years was the feud between the Main Event Mafia and the Frontline. Like we discussed earlier, the debut of the Main Event Mafia was was one of the greatest moments in TNA history, and the Main Event Mafia storyline could have easily been a crowning achievement in their history. The premise was simple. You you take five former world champions who are on, on top but getting older and join them into a group to hold off the young guys trying to take their spots. With the emergence of huge up-and-coming fan favorites like Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, this seemed like a license for incredible television and an incredible way to cement the younger guys as permanent stars in the world of professional wrestling. We've seen it attempted before with the New Blood, the Millionaire's Club in the latter portion of WCW. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. But what did happen was an epic conflict that changed TNA and is the root of almost every significant storyline TNA has ever done, even up to this very day. Seeing their company stolen away from them and being controlled by a bunch of power-hungry old men, a group of younger guys formed and named themselves The Frontline. The group was originally started by Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, who put aside their noted differences to take on this threat to their livelihoods. A number of younger guys followed to lead the way, such as Jay Lethal, the Motor City Machine Guns, Petey Williams, Eric Young, and they declared war on the veterans. For a few months, this feud was the hottest thing in wrestling, as far as TNA goes, as the two groups fought anywhere and everywhere and took over whole segments of Impact with these fights springing up all over the arena. Impact would open up with these brawls. Of course, the trouble began when Rhino joined the group and became its leader and mouthpiece, seeing that as he was neither young, nor upcoming, nor a good mouthpiece. He was, a, he was followed soon thereafter by Team 3D and McFoley, causing the actual people in the storyline that was meant for them to get over to be pushed to the back, and eventually Kurt Angle and Sting's personal feud overshadow the conflict with the front line altogether, and the main premise of the storyline was pushed aside. The feud ended with a whimper, and the young guys didn't really benefit much from it, but for those few months in the winter of 08 and 09, this feud was electric, and is by far one of the most ambitious storylines that TNA has ever attempted. What a momentous occasion here at Slammiversary! It's real. It's damn! That was unbelievable! I think everybody is shocked at what just happened here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome! Your history, and he's on his way to the impact zone. Christian Cage. The rumors are correct. He has made the jump. This crowd is on their feet, and they're going crazy. People wonder what he really doing. Well, there is your answer. But the reason that I came to TNA is the same reason that each and every one of you is in this arena right now. And that reason is that I love wrestling.
let's talk about the feud between Gail Kim and Awesome Kong. Prior, prior to 2007, there wasn't a whole lot of women in TNA, and there wasn't a whole lot to for the women to do in TNA wrestling. They could cozy up to some male wrestlers and become a valet, which Gail did for America's Most Wanted. You could have scantily clad pictures of them displayed all over the Impact Zone, or on the website, which Gail did for them as well, or you could be violently assaulted by men to get your clients over. That were the only options at that point in time for TNA women. Pre-knockout era. After appealing to Jeff Jarrett and Dixie Carter for months, Gail Kim finally convinced them to launch a women's wrestling division in TNA. On October 14, 2007, Gail won a 10-woman gauntlet match to become the first-ever TNA women's champion, known now as the Knockouts Division. She was riding high and rolling along as the beloved face of the company. Unfortunately, out of her darkest dreams walked a nightmare with dreads named Awesome Kong. While ordinarily... You could say what ordinary feuds in mainstream wrestling are met with indifference by crowds or even catcalls, this feud drew the attention and respect of eyes from all over the wrestling industry. Not just women wrestling fans were interested in this feud. This garnered attention from all sides of the fan base. The fiery and beautiful Kim defended her title against the first time, or she defended it for the very first time, against the imposing and brutal Awesome Kong at Turning Point of that year in a match that surpassed perhaps any women's wrestling match that decade and completely stole the show. They reinvented the women's wrestling genre. Gail managed to retain when Kong got disqualified, but despite her determination resolve, she wound up broken and battered on the mat. When Kong got her rematch in a no-disqualification match at Final Resolution, Kim again brought everything she had in a valiant attempt to beat this huge foe nearly twice her size, but could not do enough to damage to do enough damage to this tank of a woman to get the job done. Kong broke her again and walked away with the championship. So it came down to one more match. Gail trained harder than she had ever had in her life. She used weapons, new moves, nearly beating her senseless. But in the end, this wasn't enough, and with one final awesome bomb, Kong ended Gail's dreams and became the knockout champion. On paper, this may just look like a new heel squashing the champion, and Gale didn't look good in these matches, but nothing can be further from the truth. She looked spectacular. They reinvented the layout or the flow of a women's, of a women's division or knockout division matchup. The saga of the determined but overwhelming overwhelmed champion going against the wrecking ball of a challenger was massively compelling, and not only resurrected Gail Kim's career in one go, shortly thereafter that the WWE wanted her to come back to the company, but it also created a new star, a new type of star in women's wrestling in Awesome Kong. Only one of the three highest rated segments of Impact history was reserved for this feud, this matchup between Kong and Kim. Not bad, right? So you, when you look back at women's wrestling, this feud can go down as one of the greatest feuds, not just in TNA, but in women's history of all time. What a momentous occasion here at Slammiversary! It's real. 
Bitch, damn. That was unbelievable. I think everybody is shocked at what just happened here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new era in TNA. Attempt at the Scorpion. Just imagine this. Oh, my God, on Hogan's body from his back operations. The knee replacements. He's tapping out. He's tapping the referee, Bischoff's son. You don't want to say A few that even garnered my interest on a weekly basis, especially during the pay-per-view days that led into Fox Sportsnet, was Raven versus TNA. Raven was always one to do things his own way. No, one's, no one could be surprised that Raven is someone that would complain. The former Scotty Flamingo would rant and rave from his ECW days of the unjust or the improper acts of treatment against him in professional wrestling. Despite him working for various companies and being a significant part of ECW, he never won a world championship outside of ECW. Not in WCW, where he rose nearly to the main event and hit the glass ceiling, and not in WWE, where he was a little more than a jobber role after the initial shock of him coming into the company. So, his ultimate goal would to be to win that big one, to satisfy that, I guess, that compiling of complaints that we would hear on typical Raven promos. That is what led us to the NWA Championship in TNA. So when he came to TNA in 03, he was often known to remark that his ultimate goal and his destiny was to become the NWA World Champion. He spoke of it constantly for years only to get distracted by side feuds that diverted him from his ultimate dream of holding the title held by such old-school and traditional legends. Now that this was his dream, for two main reasons, he made it known there were two reasons why he wanted to obtain the title to be his ultimate conquest. He wanted to validate him, he wanted to prove and validate him as one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time and show that his career since ECW hasn't been a waste. And two, because he wanted to piss everyone off in the company. So in 05, when he finally got his opportunity at the World Heavyweight Championship and a King of the Mountain match against five other guys, including the champion AJ Styles, he didn't waste it. Completely against the expectations of everyone, and to the horror of TNA commissioner at the time, Larry Zabisco, who had been trying to fix it so Abyss would win and be a controllable champion, Raven won the title and celebrated to the approval of the fans in attendance. Yes, Raven was on top of the mountain. But the feud was about to ignite to intervene with that, and that would be Raven's greatest foe in TNA, and that was TNA itself. While Raven increased his game to be champion and defend that title on a regular basis, 
the NWA Board of Directors was breathing down Zabisco's throat to get the title off this madman, who they can never possibly approve of as their true champion. Larry, under the huge amount of pressure and feeling entirely disrespected by Raven, called in the assistance of Jeff Jarrett to regain the title. In a match in Border City Wrestling, Raven was goaded into putting the title on the line against Jarrett, and Jarrett managed to steal it away due to huge amounts of interference from AMW, America's Most Wanted. Upon hearing of this, Abisco had a choice. Either to strike the title change from the record books, since it was not a sanctioned NWA title match, and featured a huge screw job, or acknowledge Jarrett as the new champion and deal with the consequences. He chose poorly, some might say, as the now titleless Raven came back to TNA in a storm of vengeance aimed directly at Larry. Zabisco, for his part, spared, the ex- spared no expense in hiring any wrestler he could find to try to stop Raven from getting to him. But no matter who he found, Raven went through them all, and often in the messiest way possible. But not long after, the board of directors themselves issued a proclamation that Zabisco had overstepped his authority and was suspended from his position. Then they reinstated Raven, who finally got the match he wanted in a hair-versus-hair match with Larry Legend. And if you don't know how that match went for good old Larry Zabisco, well, you can always go back to YouTube and search out and see what happened. But the Raven but the Raven versus TNA feud was an epic one, and I, I finally remember the Raven-Jeff Jarrett feud to culminate and I remember each week it was building up to this match, and it, it gave a big boost to Raven, who had not seen that type of push since his ECW days. We mentioned it a little bit earlier, the feud between AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe was epic in TNA. The three obtained a five-star rating, like we said, from, from top-rated news reporters in the industry. All three had tremendous chemistry with each other inside the ring, and with the definition of... TNA, true TNA talent, TNA grown talent that we saw from the independent scene make their way and make their name in total nonstop action wrestling. You could say the three of them defined or redefined the X Division, which was a, a division that was set to no weight limits, but no limits. There was no weight limits officially for the championship, and the talent was limitless. The potential was limitless. And at times, the X Division was the main event of the show. That's what made the X Division title so different in its early stages in TNA. The feud between Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. What can you say? The two of them had great chemistry inside the squared circle because, as we mentioned, from their initial feud to the headbutt from Kurt Angle to the MMA-style match at lockdown inside the cage with an MMA feel, a UFC type of feel to it. Back in 2006, during Jeff Jarrett's reign of terror, as people say, as the TNA champion, people thought this was the only way that TNA was going to go, Jarrett as the head honcho, with Samoa Joe becoming champion. It set a new era saying we're going to define our own champion, our own challenger, and create an identity outside of a top, quote-unquote, WCW star, or a former WWE star. Joe was the identity for TNA at the time. The best of three series that Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle had, you have to, you cannot deny, was one of the greatest pieces of TNA footage and work ever done. I believe it should have been more of a slower build to each match, and maybe they should have waited until Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe down the line after Kurt Angle had some other potential uh, 
competitors, but they looked at Joe Angle as their hot shot feud to push Kurt Angle in TNA. So when you look back at it, the Samoa Joe-Kurt Angle feud has made such a tremendous impact, pun intended, in TNA wrestling. Other notable matches will be discussed. Kurt Angle and Mr. Anderson had a great feud between the two. SEX versus that NWA. I say go back and look at that feud between the two. The, that was very interesting in terms of the dynamics of Vince Russo against TNA. And the NWA mixed in on a week-by-week basis on pay-per-view. Planet Jarrett versus Team TNA, if you remember that storyline, was interesting. Who could forget Bully Ray versus Brother Devon? And then James Storm versus Chris Harris, which we'll get into now as the greatest matches of all time. At Sacrifice 2007, the two former tag team champions, America's Most Wanted, had such a tremendous rivalry, and no one can forget about their matchup. At Sacrifice 07, they redefined a tag team feud. This match was brutal. After being one of the greatest tag teams to ever step foot in any squared circle, America's Most Wanted finally disbanded after losing a match to the Latin American Exchange. If they lost, they would have to split up. They did lose, and after the match, Storm hit Harris in the eye with a beer bottle. This would eventually lead to this Texas death match at Sacrifice. It was brutal. They used just about every weapon they could to get their their hands on, and both kicked out of each other's finishing moves. Just as it looked like Harris was about to win, Jackie Moore jumped in the ring and kicked Chris Harris to the outside, where she attacked him. When all hope was lost for Chris Harris, Gail Kim ran down to the ring and aided Harris. By the match's end, these two former partners had been bloodied and nearly lifeless. Go back to Sacrifice 2007 to see this rivalry culminate in a Texas death match. Turning Point 2006, Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle. Who could forget Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, the prior year at Turning Point? What a tremendous match between the two. Petey Williams versus AJ Styles and Chris Sabin at Final Resolution 2005. Great triple threat match. The definition of why you would love TNA. I'd say go back and check out that contest. What about Kaz versus Christian Cage in Genesis of 07? Who forget the confrontation between the two? Christian giving the rub to an up-and-coming Kaz. And then on Impact in 2006, we saw Christian Cage take on the Stinger, Sting, in a much underrated hour-long contest. Go back and check out that one. Who could forget AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels versus LAX at No Surrender of 2006? Who could forget AMW versus Triple X at Turning Point 2004 with Elix Skipper walking the top of the cage to perform a hurricane on Chris Harris into the ring? Go back and check that on YouTube, fans. Unbelievable. Of course, we mentioned Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle at Lockdown in 2008, and then Unbreakable 2005, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, and AJ Styles. TNA saw many, many matches come through their ranks that have been great ones, and that's what prided it. That's what fans were so proudful and, and had pride for in their TNA wrestling. They wanted to be a part of the TNA fan base to want to be a part of the revolution of TNA because in their minds that is where the real wrestling was or that's where you go to watch real wrestling in today's day and age granted it's open left for the discussion of what is truly real wrestling or true professional wrestling but TNA gave fans a different avenue to watch the art of professional wrestling 
Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Wrestling fans, it's time to thank our sponsors of the Beyond the Bell podcast. The SNS Radio Network provides daily audio programming that covers professional wrestling and sports entertainment. If you're not listening, you're not trying. Squared Circle Media is proud to make episodes of Beyond the Bell and other pro wrestling audio content available to wrestling fans around the world. You can find all content from Squared Circle Media at www.squaredcirclemedia.net. Ringannouncing.com is the official website of ring announcer Sean Beckerman. This is where you will find video, audio, and the latest schedule for the future of ring announcing. All videos are streamed at the YouTube channel, also labeled Ring Announcing. Stitcher works to provide an innovative platform for listening to audio content on the go. You can download the Stitcher app on all smartphones via the Android Market and the iTunes App Store. Stitcher, now streaming innovative audio. If you are interested in advertising on Beyond the Bell, email us at btbwrestling at gmail.com and in the title type, Advertising. Join the Beyond the Bell revolution. It's go time! So, wrestling fans, that will wrap things up for another edition of the Old School Retro Respective podcast known as Beyond the Bell via the SNS Radio Network. Ten years of TNA Wrestling and I'm hopeful for another 10 years as it just gives more opportunity for jobs in the wrestling industry, more opportunity for the superstars to show their crafts and display their skills inside the squared circle. Plus, it's good for professional wrestling. It's good for the WWE to have competition, whether you consider TNA truly competition right now or not. No one can deny 10 years, surviving 10 years in this business is not too shabby, folks. And I look forward to another decade, hopefully a better wrestling, hopefully less of cra- less of the crazy storylines. We want it to go more positive in this podcast rather than negative. Short TNA has had its negative in storyline, in from a storyline aspect. But TNA is still around, folks, and hopefully it'll just be another aspect, another avenue in the professional wrestling industry. And we wish it nothing but the best, it sounds like, in their future endeavors. But now we, we truly wish TNA luck in their next decade in professional wrestling. So fans, remember, like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, at Sean Beckerman, www.ringannouncing.com for all archive shows. Also, my you can connect to my YouTube channel. Uh, username is Ring Announcing for all my videos of me announcing wrestling legends and superstars, broadcasting, commentating, you name it. It's under my YouTube channel. And also, all posts are up at ringannouncing.com, as well as archive shows of Beyond the Bell, the Jetpack, the New York Jets podcast, and This Week in Wrestling History, which is on hiatus temporarily on the SNS Radio Network via Unplugged, but you can see archived episodes or listen to archived episodes of This Week in Wrestling over at ringannouncing.com. Remember, fans, we have more programming coming up for you in the weeks ahead as the WCW 101 series continues. The Hulkamania Chronicles wraps up. We also have WCCW Milestones. And another retrospective series will be debuting as we celebrate. We're celebrating 10 years of TNA, but we're going to celebrate the 1,000th Raw coming up in a couple weeks as we'll look back at the greatest moments in Monday Night Raw history in chronological order. So stay tuned for that, fans, a couple weeks from now. Also, in the coming days, we're going to have our new retrospective series, a special spotlight edition, as we'll look back from the booth, the greatest play-by-play commentators of all time. 
So stay tuned for that. And part two will feature the greatest color commentators in the history of professional wrestling. So that's coming up, fans. We'll wrap things up with our old school theme of the week, which we'll look back at one of the better TNA themes that we've heard over the years, the original theme for Kurt Angle as he debuted in Total Nonstop Action. So fans, sit back, relax, and enjoy this little piece of TNA history. And we'll see you next week as we rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. This is Beyond the Bell via the SNS Radio Network. Wrestling fans, I'll see you at the matches. Announcer Sean Beckerman here. Want to go back in time and relive the greatest and worst in the world of sports entertainment? From all-time favorite matches to the worst gimmicks in pro wrestling, we cover it all. So join us each and every week on the SNS Radio Network as we go beyond the bell.
Hey everyone, this is your hardcore country knockout, Mickey James, and you're listening on the SNS Radio Network. Hey now, listen up, I'm not the kind of girl that ever gives up. If anybody tries to bring me down, they'll be picking themselves. 